37 Disney Street, which isn't far from you, three Disney fans have watched a film which they will now review. Hello friends and welcome to 37 Disney Street. This week, with Tales Between Our Legs, we're going backwards to 2014 to take a look at the film we accidentally left in hypersleep in an alternate dimension. Classic number 53, Big Hero 6. I have some concerns. I'm Chris Fletcher. I am not fast. I am Lucy Rain. I go front. I go back. I go inside out. And then I go front and back. Hi, friends. I'm Hugh Rain. Some papers to, yeah, to, to, to that was a lot better though. For anyone listening, like, uh, <laughs> we, we normally just have like on the video, we normally have to just sit there as the music runs. And I thought, let's just pretend to be talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we just mimed at each other, like, well, you lift as the, the veil on that particular uh, <laughs> route, didn't you? Immediately, so yeah, we mimed as the music mm. was playing out there to each other, yeah, like we were on the yeah, whatever. but you wouldn't even know that because you're listening and not watching, yeah, and actually, only about. 50 or 60 people watch this? Only? Yeah. Yeah, everybody else. Everyone else listens instead. Mm. Yeah. But we'll, we'll hit the big time and people will start going through the back catalogue. Uh, who's the person who's been uh, going through the back catalogue and he, he keeps commenting and liking really old hashtags? UK Shadow, UK UK Shadow, Shadow Hunters. Hunters. Yeah, I, right. I, I can't... I, I'm, I'm loving that. And it's a she, isn't it? I think so, Right, yeah. okay. Oh, it might be both. Might be. Okay. It might be two people. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it could be neither. Could be, we might have made it all up. So when we it. do random hashtag 37 Disney Streets Tiki Mug or something like that, people are using the hashtags to go back and find them. In fact, they were very complimentary about the fact that we used the hashtags because it, it made it easier for them to find these things. So. I love it because every time they comment on one, it's, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, we, we took a picture that. of that and, you know, to show you. Anyway. It's, it's like time hop. Let's see if there are any yeah. in this show. Okay. So this week we watched Big Hero Six. Well, that's a bit of a fib, isn't it? Yeah, it was about, about six weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> it was about three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like every show we're we're starting with an apology for for things, but um, I did my ankle in, didn't I? Mm-hmm. No, my calf. Sorry, my calf, mm. not my ankle. And and so I had to miss the week when we were supposed to record it. And then last week we sat down to record it, and we had other issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm being polite. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Lucy hadn't done homework. I hadn't yeah. done the homework. <laughs> done I, homework. I'd, I'd not managed to do the history because I'd forgotten that we were doing an extra show last week. Yeah, and, mm. and what that means is we thought we were going to get to the end of this year and have finished the classics, but now I don't think we are going to get to the end of the year and finish them, are we? Nearly done, though. About two or three left, is it? Two, I think, isn't it, after this? Is that right? Wow, yeah. Wreck It Ralph 2 and Moana. Yeah. Not in that order. Yep. <laughs> well, that doesn't matter anymore because <laughs> no, this one is to go care about this one's like right on. And also, also, Enchanted has just come back out. Yes. Uh, now, so I, I think maybe we might want to revisit that at some point. Yeah. We were going to do Mary Poppins Returns as well, oh, so we probably ought to have a look at that. I love Mary Poppins Returns. Um, and Encanto's coming. Encanto, we're going to see yeah. that next so, week. So we'll keep up, keep up with the new ones. Mm. And I think on special occasions, like I'd like to do Tron at some point. I'm not sure like where we would do that, but like you know, at Halloween, I'd like to maybe do Return to Oz. You know, you know what I mean. Mm. So I, I was wondering whether, well, it might it might cheapen things. Whether we open up Patreon a bit and start putting these things on there, because if we're not going to be doing a regular podcast, then you won't get mm. the benefit of it. But we could put it on on there, and it would be somewhere different. And you wouldn't necessarily have to pay money to do it. We could have it op- like an open available thing. I don't know. I'm just I'm just 
possibilities. thinking at the moment. I, I guess the, I feel like the pressure's off a bit once we get to the end of this to, to manage to put a show together every yeah. two weeks, um, yeah. which we never managed to do. <laughs> and when we do get to the end, you can go back and listen to them all again. Yeah. I've already started, you know. I've, I've gone back and listened to quite a few of the early ones now. I think I, I'm on my... It. We're I very think, knowledgeable. I think I'm on my fourth round well, of... Lucy is. Fourth round of uh, all the Adam and Joe BBC <clears> Six <throat> Music podcasts. Oh, Maybe, really? Might be even the fifth time. Yeah. There's yeah. Like they a, are good. There's like a hundred of them. Right. Yeah. Would you like Not, some history? Because I've done my homework. Well, let me see. press my button. Okay. We've got to remember about jingles. It's time to dig a little to learn some Disney stuff. Dig a little No, we ain't dug this far enough. Dig a little into the facts. We'll find out what we need. Lucy will school us, guaranteed. Open up the windows. Let in the light. Children. Okay, so Big Hero 6 was released on the October the 23rd, 2014, before Zootopia. <laughs> this did come a little out of sequence. Um, it, it was just a clerical error, but we're, we're going back and we're mopping up what we've missed. It was actually released at the film festival in Tokyo on the 23rd of October, and then again it hit a film festival in Abu Dhabi on the 31st of October, before uh, being f- going for general release in the US and worldwide on the 7th of November. Mm-hmm. It's based on the Big Hero 6 comics by Man of Action. Now, Man of Action is kind of a subset of Marvel uh, that's got its own sort of collection of artists and writers. And I think the most famous property they've got is possibly Ben 10. But okay. they've, they've got a few kind of the smaller comics Now, what you need to remember is that in 2009, Disney, led by Bob Iger, acquired Marvel Comics. Um, Well, no, not Marvel Comics. The screen rights, both animation and live action, to all Marvel Comics um, properties. And um, Bob, Bob Iger immediately encouraged the development of any property that they could find. So people were encouraged and challenged. Here's your toy box. Delve in, see what you can find. And he did want to start bringing to forefront some of the more obscure, unknown ones. This is what faced all the potential directors, uh, the top end of the creative team at Disney Animation, to just go at it. Go at it. Have at it, lads. See what you like. Uh, I don't know if you're, um, if you're going to mention this in your notes, but this is nothing like the comics. No. No. I, I, had a, I have, don't know the comics, but I had a bit of a look into it. Before. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, it was a bit of a shock when I saw the front covers. I am going to get to that in the notes. Now, Don Hall, who was busy directing the 2011 version of Winnie the Pooh, he delved through and pitched six ideas from this, here's your Marvel toy box, have at it. Um, and the Big Hero 6 was the one that got picked up, basically, mm. not much else to say. So in 2012, the project was officially announced, although it had been in pre-production before then, and lots of resources were put there on. Um, yeah, Bob Iger was keen that you'd choose something that was a little bit obscure because it allowed for more originality. So the head of story... Paul Briggs only read a handful of the issues and the screenwriter Robert Baird read none. They wanted to distance themselves from the original text so that they were able to be freer with the story. So I think basically somebody else 
had been left to give them the gist. And they go, oh, right, oh, there's six of them. Oh, what, okay. At what point do you just say, should we just write our own thing? Mm. It's kind of like the Jungle Book this then, isn't it? Yeah. Because isn't that exactly what they did with the Jungle Book? They were like, well, Rudyard Kipling, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, whatever. Let's do it's not something like, a bit yeah. like It's not that. like the name's yeah. not like huge, you know, cachet, has it? Like people are going, oh, Big Hero 6, finally. Well, I think no. that's the only reason they could get away with it, really. I'm, I'm a big... Well, I was uh, a big Marvel's uh, Marvel Comics fan. I, I I had never heard of this mm. before the film. But if you had, how would you feel about them um, taking so much license? Do you know what? If I was a real fan of it, I'd probably be okay with it because then it would the comics would still be mine, yeah. my, my thing that I enjoy, and, and the film would be like something yeah. completely different. I'd be like, oh, that's cool. That's <clears> kind of separate. It's not like they've they've taken it and ruined my favorite characters because they've made them all totally different anyway, haven't they? Mm-hmm. But even within Marvel, from what I can gather, and I am no expert on the comic book publishing industry at all, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but this was, it wasn't published under the heading Marvel, it was this man of action um, publishing house that is the equivalent of like what um, Blue Sky is to Amblin or what, you know what I mean? Okay. It's, it's that kind of off to, the, off to the side stuff. So, the one to... Touchstone. yeah. That's one, that's part of Disney that they don't want to admit to, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it's the stuff that does eighteen Miramax. eighteen yeah. films and fifteen and fifteen certificate films that are not very Disney. Mm. Anyway. Pornography. Yeah. Um so they wanted to create an entirely new type of robot for this. The art department was sort of <clears> challenged with this. That was the first clue I had when I read that. I was like, so Baymax wasn't in the comics then? If the if they're having to create a new robot and that's what made me go and look and was like Nothing like it. Yeah. Yeah. Mental. Mm. So, um, they said there's so many types of robots that have already been done multiple times, and they they cited things like Terminator, Mm Wally, C3PO. These have all been repeated in the same sort of guise, so they wanted a brand new one. And it was artist Lisa. (laughs) They were all very different. (laughs) No, no. I mean, those were like the three that represented three different types. Okay. But then most of the robots can fit into one of those types. Right. If that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so it was artist Lisa Keen who said she wanted a huggable robot. Now Johnny Five was huggable. He even danced. Well, it wasn't physically huggable though. No, he looked like Wally. That's what I'm saying. They all go into these certain boxes, don't they? <laughs> um, Stephanie. The, res- uh, the researchers went to a robotics institute um, and to have a look about what was getting developed, and somebody there was developing soft robotics from vinyl and it was to be used in medical things when they needed things to be gentle and soft and dealing with newborn babies and that kind of thing so immediately they were like right we're doing that yes why at that point didn't they say this is brilliant why don't we do a film around this Mm -hmm. and not bother with this marvel thing because all they need to do is change some of the names and not have the characters names and then it wouldn't be marvel and it would be an original yeah i know Original things are few and far between these days. I get that. We don't do original films. Because he just bought his new toy and he wanted to use it. That's why. This is the whole point of doing this animation. Is do do something Marvel. Go on. Just bought This is annoying me now. I wish I didn't have the history. I know because it's like like saying, right, Chris, I've got this this radio. We can can mess about with it. We can can improve it. We can Mm. do all sorts of things with it. And then you come back to me a week later and you go, I've kept the screws. (laughs) Let's make something from the screws. And I go, oh, okay. 
like that that junk program on BBC where they where they buy <laughs> where they take it from the junk and they go, can I just uh, can I take that from you before you put it in the tip? Please? Yeah, and, that, uh, that really and nice I'll woman. Money from it, and they, and they take these massive tables and stuff, and they go, yeah, we're going to just use this like yeah, and then they yeah. take and we spent six hundred pounds on the materials to go with it, and we're going to sell it for six hundred and twenty pounds. So here's twenty pounds profit. Mm. So once they'd got oh, this, um, they'd got this idea from the Robotics Institute. The rest of Baymax very much came around from them thinking technically. How would you do it? It would be an inflated thing. It would have um, a lightweight skeleton. It would <clears throat> it would fold and pack because it was inflatable, etc. Uh, one lovely detail because there is an Eastern feel to this film is that his face was based on a Suzu bell from a Shinto shrine in. Um, in Japan. Okay. You know that kind of two dots and the line yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. Which is it's a very lovely little detail there. Mm. But... I've got something I can tweak based on that. I did a tweet where uh, I found four, uh, I found three things that reminded me of Baymax. So I tweeted it uh, and it said... Um, well, I was trying to do uh, Sixth Sense and I said, uh, I see Baymax. He's everywhere. But that's actually... I quoted it wrong. Anyway, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet hashtag 37 Disney Street Baymax and you can see what I, what I did. Cool. There you go. The system works. The system Just for you, works. Shadow Hunters. <laughs> yep. But if you want to know something even more bonkers, Chris, where mm. was the comic set? I don't know. In space. Mm, no. Well, it was just set in Tokyo. Oh, okay. So that's that's relatively. Uh, the, um, the, the, the pause because I just showed them the picture. Just dropped it in front of us. Thanks. I mean, <laughs> it's got some relation to what they did, but Disney went Tokyo, nah. San Francisco, yeah. So that, that's where San Francisco came from. San Francisco. Now, the thing is, I always knew this was based on a comic, and this character of Baymax and the idea of San Francisco was so kind of out there. I presumed Disney had pulled them from the comics, so. Um, they decided to do this Japan meets California in San Francisco because that's where they related um, robotics and new technology companies to be, mm-hmm. is in that valley region. Um, they chose uh, an area called The Hate, which I didn't know much about before this, but I looked at some pictures and it's gorgeous. It's an area of um, San Francisco that has got all these painted Victorian houses and all the the little coving and they're all wooden and they're all multiple stories high, really beautiful houses. You will probably have seen pictures of mm. them. So they Tokyoified that area and they gave it a bit of a backstory that never comes up, but the artists give it, gave them it themselves, where San Francisco was totally demolished in the earthquake of 1906 which is real Mm -hmm. but it wasn't totally demolished they had it been totally demolished and that it was rebuilt and it was abandoned by people who lived there and then rebuilt by japanese immigrants so that this is a fictional well i don't i think it's semi-fictional but it's a a fictional thing of why it's now called san francisco and why it's got the design aesthetics it's got interesting Mm. there you go um, the end credit scene. What was the end credit scene again? Stanley. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that was added um, as a reaction to the uh, the MCU movies, which had started to come out at this point, mm. and they'd got this thing of always having end credits that led on to something else. And the animators went to watch one. I can't remember which one it was. I should have written it down. Um, some of the head animators went to watch one. And didn't understand why everyone was still sitting down at the end and then realised, <laughs> and this was very close to release, and then panicked that, 
we are making a Marvel movie. Are people going to expect Absolutely an end credit it, scene? Yeah. Um, which, and, and for Stan Lee to say something. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So they kind of, they added this, this trope, as it were, afterwards in a panicked reaction to what had become fan behaviour because we were already conditioned at that mm-hmm. point to sit in the cinema. Uh, the like music, good little children. The music was scored by... Do you know what? We did it first at um, Ghostbusters yeah, uh, well, yesterday and there wasn't a mid credit scene and I was like, are the lights up, Hugh? I think we can go. And you were adamant, no, there's an end credit scene. And boy, am I glad we stayed. There's a yeah. So there's one just after the credits get going, and then there's one right at the end. Right at the end. So stay put, people. Stay well, put. Well, the first time I went to the cinema with our mutual friend Ben, he sat till the credits had rolled because oh. that's what he does, and therefore it's then become something that I do. Not since I've had kids, but for a very, very long time, I just sat and watched the end credits anyway. I, used I like to, to look do for that. Brian Wankham. <laughs> Well, who doesn't want to look for that? Um, <laughs> what I do is uh, I always forget, and then as the credits start, I quickly get my phone up and I I I, I googled it this time. I said uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife is there an end credit? And it said there was two. Right. Oh, so I was like, don't go anywhere. Oh, you see, I can't, I don't like that. I kind of want to be surprised or not surprised or disappointed. Just kind of wait it out and see. Anyway. I, I imagine Ben would do it just to get his value for money. That's entirely what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. Free seat. He's paid for that seat. He's going to use it as long as he can. I hope he never listens to this podcast. He does. Right. He, um, he loves it. The music was scored by Henry Jackman, Winter, who also... Excuse me, I've got hiccups. <laughs> also scored Winter Soldier and Civil War for Marvel, mm. Kick-Ass 1 and 2, uh, X-Men First Class, Wreck-It Ralph, etc., etc. Wow. So quite, yeah. He's got a good portfolio there, but he does superheroes well, it mm. would seem. Mm, yeah. Um, and there was one original song which Hugh has been singing on and off most of the day. And it's... We could be immortals. 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 But not for long. By far. For long. By Fallout Boy. <laughs> it was released in uh, 3D and IMAX. Wow. Along with the short Feast. Is the IMAX version available on Disney Plus now, along with all the other Marvel film IMAX versions? <laughs> yeah. Which one's oh. Feast? Is that the one with the dog? That's the one with the dog and yeah. the, the iron and falls out. Oh, yeah. Cell shaded dog. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's really good. That's one of my favourite um, Pixar shorts, actually, is Feast. It's very good. It's a goodie. Now, this was interesting. Well, actually, not that surprising. We went to Japan and we were aware of these tensions. But because of the tensions between Japan and South Korea... All references to Japan were removed. San Francisco became San Francisco again. Any Japanese language signs, of which there were many, were put mm. into English. Um, and they, they released it and there was still some controversy because in the background of some of the scenes where he's, you know that montage where he's making all the little beans? Yeah. <laughs> microbots microbots yeah. there were some small symbols on the cork board that could have been the rising sun flag and um, South Korea were not happy about that ah oh, get over yourself South so, Korea yes well that was that was a little change <laughs> well, if I just thanks for listening start, <laughs> if I just start a war with South Korea on uh, the podcast I, I wouldn't worry about it too much we don't know we're getting pretty big <laughs> <laughs> and that is all she wrote well 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 cool now, it's been a little while, but what we're going to do today, I thought, you know, for old time's sake, <laughs> yeah. is uh, I thought we'd talk about the story and score it, and then we'd talk about the animation and score that. And then if we're feeling up for it, we'd talk about the story, 
Uh, no, I've already said that. <laughs> Talk about the music, and we'd score that. Um, you are do rusty. some favourite bits because I always forget those. Yeah, and a bit of cry factor. But before we do that, and I'm really hoping this works because I put the right one in. Um, I thought it'd be good to hear what the kids have to say. This evening we've watched Big Hero Six. It's about a boy named Hera and he's a big brother called Tadoshi and he goes to the science school and Hera likes bot fighting but instead of going to the bot fighting Tadoshi took him to the science school and showed him his kind of like lab and showed him what he's been working on and it was this like robot thing called Baymax and these people and they have to grab a mask from this person because he's controlling these things called microbots. Which you have a headband and then you can do whatever you want with them. So they have to go through his portal. So the villain's a villain because he misses his daughter that went through his portal in this machine. But she was lost in space. And Baymax, the boy and the other people have to go grab the girl and go back. So Baymax disappears into space, but then the boy makes another Baymax. My favourite bit was I liked when they like when they were like practicing the fighting. My favourite bit is when Baymax had a little battery and he sounded all drunk and it was just like flop flop flop. My favourite bit was the end, the start and the middle of it. So I love it. My favourite character was Baymax because they did a fist bump and he went like instead of It was really funny. My favourite character is Baymax. He's just so funny. My favourite character was Baymax. Um, what else do I ask you? What was your favourite song? Well, there wasn't really that much songs, so I don't really have a favourite song. There aren't many songs in this, so I don't really have a favourite song. I would rate it a 5 out of 5. I really liked it. I would give it maybe a 3 out of 5, because it's okay. I would give it a 10 plus 10. 10 plus 10. How much is 10 plus 10? You tell me. 10. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty. Twenty, there we go. It was amazing, but sometimes scary. Like, the middle bit was scary. Thanks, Ollie. Off I pop. (laughs) (laughs) Off I pop. (laughs) Off I pop. (laughs) I've forgotten about all that. (laughs) Yeah. Bless the cuties. Luke, Oliver's like at that age now when... um, Sort of, sort of when we were how old Bonnie was. Was she five when we started doing this? Mm, yes. So he's, he's like he's he's five in January. So he's getting to that sort of age. He's starting to understand it a little bit better than he maybe did do before. Yeah. Um, so he's getting a little bit more <laughs> more yeah. to say for himself. I think. <laughs> Still scoring them very strangely though. <laughs> anyway, um, do you want to do first impressions before we jump into the story? Well, yeah, because uh, I've told this story a bunch of times. 
for other shows, but I watched this at Disney headquarters in London uh, when it was um, like a preview of it. So before it came out... Top secretly? Yeah. I got up at like quarter past four uh, to get a train from Murfield, this odd London train that goes through Murfield. Oh, yeah. yeah. you know, the one at like, like half five in the morning. Got to Disney headquarters. So I was really tired and I was sat next to my boss and we watched it and I cried. Not like blubbering, but like, you know, the little sly little cry next to him, which was kind of embarrassing. Because he was like, I told him, and he was like, he was like, really? You cried? I was like, you didn't, you didn't cry. Hugh cries at everything, yeah. movie-wise. You cried next to him, and it was embarrassing. And then you told him that you cried, and he didn't notice. So mm. what does that say about you? Maybe you should have just kept quiet. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, just look at me. I'm going to do it for you so you can see it live. Just, I'm quickly going to interrupt with a little Hugh anecdote. We once watched um, Saving Private Ryan together. Mm. And I was sat on the floor and he was sat on the couch, so he was sat behind me. No. And all of a sudden... We were both sat on the couch in a cottage near Haworth. And all of a sudden I heard this um, sound that went like... No, right, right. (laughs) What it was was... um, A little sob came out at the end when he salutes and, uh, you know, and he he turns into old old Ryan, Mm. right? A little sob came out, so I thought, no, if I cough over it, it will mask it. So I went... But then it made it worse, so I went... I went... <laughs> I got something a bit like that the first time I cried at a film the first film I cried at was um, Edward Scissorhands mm. um, when she goes hold me and he goes I can't <laughs> oh no I was like no he just wants to hold her and, and uh, yeah I did something very similar I tried to hold it back and didn't do a very good job of it because it was alien to me I didn't, I'd never experienced anything like it oh. and now I cry all the time at films yeah I can't help it um but yeah, I was looking forward to seeing it because I, I do like it. Hmm. Mm. Cards on the table there. I knew nothing of this film. Um, it seems to be the same for this entire period of time, but it had come onto Sky and I think, I'm trying to think, 2014, when would I have seen it? Probably probably when it first came out on on, uh, on Sky, so probably before Zootopia. So it's probably very similar to what I said with the last one. But... I it didn't I didn't know it was a Disney film. I didn't I knew absolutely nothing about it. Mm. So um my expectations the first time going in were pretty non existent, really. I didn't have any. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. I remember really enjoying it and being very emotional about it. And I'll talk about that when we go through mm-hmm. bits of it. Um I actually made a greetings card for this um that mm-hmm. didn't go through in the end and at the time, because I do a bit of paper engineering, it was the best pop up I'd ever made. And I was gutted when it didn't actually go through in the end because we, we didn't need it. We we're like, oh, we're not going to do Big Hero Six because it wasn't kind of popular enough for greetings cards. So I, n- I never saw the light. Big Hero Six. That's card. surprising. Is it popular enough now? Because I know. Nah. Still not. Maybe well, the TV series comes out. Not to make a greetings card of it. Oh, interesting. Well, actually, no. We did do some, but it didn't warrant the expensive pop up. Is what it was. I think. Right. Okay. I um, can't remember when I saw this, but I know that we we bought the DVD um, to watch it. So it might have been quite soon after release. And sometimes I just buy the new Disney DVD because that's what I do because I'm a Disney Mm. fan. I didn't see it at the cinema. And it must have been a bit half-hearted because I remember thinking, this isn't for me. I think that for a long time, Disney alternated girls' Mm. films with boys' films. Yeah. I think we're a lot more gender neutral now, but I thought, oh, this this is one of the boys' ones. Yeah. Is what I thought. This period, more than any other, I think, where where it's done that. Mm. It's a strange one, isn't it? Although Zootopia, Tropolis, uh, is kind of everybody, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, 
but yeah and I it was a big surprise it was a big surprise to me it was a big revelation that well we're going to talk about hmm. what I thought well, should we jump into the story then yeah yeah I'm going to press the button so it's time to discuss how the story goes I know it can be worse than Oliver Well, the, the exposition is strong with this one. Ooh. Right, right from the off, um, Tadashi delivers some terrible exposition. Uh, like when they're escaping from the underground bot fight, he says, "You graduated high school when you were thirteen, and this is what you're doing." And then straight away, um, he says, uh, "For ten, uh, uh, the I think it's uh, their the aunt says, for ten years I did my best to raise the two of you, and then uh, oh, what would m- mom and dad say?" And Hero says, I don't know. They're gone. They died when I was three, remember? It's so <laughs> expositional. It's like... It's the word remember in that sentence, yeah, it's isn't it? Just, like the, the brother wouldn't. So right at the top, you've got some extremely lazy uh, script. Really, they just want to get it really out there as quick as they can, though, don't they? Yeah, but ugh, it really stood out this time. I was like, oh, oh, no, oh, it's awful. It, it's funny, though, Lucy. Now you've mentioned this whole backstory for the... For, for San Francisco and why it exists and what it all is and everything, the fact that that's not mentioned at all, mm. it kind of makes sense why, why they're throwing the exposition in that kind of hurried kind of way as well. Mm. It's not really thought out very well. Mm. So mm. you've got this, like, cool kid, bit of a rebel. He's not applying himself properly. He's bot fighting. He's doing really well at it. You know, all these tropes of, like, this genius kid, but he's not applying himself. Uh, mm-hmm. Got a great relationship with his brother, hasn't he? His brother's like a, a lo- strong relationship, yeah. And then, yeah. and then that bike ride, you you straight away. I know there's a lot of exposition, you're right, but you straight away by the end of that bike ride, you know why they're so close, and you you understand that relationship completely. Mm. That it, bit of it's good, I think. It, it works really well to to establish the characters quickly. That yeah. bot fight at the beginning is it's really cool. Yeah. is what mm. it is. Um, the look of him just sitting cross-legged, all calm, doing his <laughs> yeah. thing, like the playing, <laughs> yeah, playing a video game. But the fact that the the killer robots, the nanobots, they start off cute, but they're actually really hard. Is it's so appealing to a child <clears throat> and an adult, a childlike adult such as myself, because it's just it's so cathartic that you can be both and underestimated, you know. And as someone who loves the film White Men Can't Jump. I, I love a hustle. I just genuinely love a hustle. So that that appeals to me massively. I've never seen White Men Can't Jump. It is I, fantastic. I haven't, is it? I haven't seen yeah. it. Ooh, maybe that's going on the list. Well, I think it's fantastic. It's very of its time. It's very 90s basketball. Yeah. Um, but it's just a really fun film. Yeah. Okay. The thing about this film is um, you have to decide whether you're going to go along with the fantasy or not. The, the reason I don't like Iron Man is it's too it's it's too ridiculous to the point where I just mm-hmm. it's so fantastical that I just can't get on board with it. Uh, it's not done in a realistic way. Um, but with this one, I kind of excuse it and I just go along with it. Um, I mean, you've got all these teenage geniuses making these un- inconceivably brilliant things in this lab. Uh, like like they're all wo- everyone's working a project that's completely world changing. Um, but what it almost loses me is when Hero presents those nanobots hmm. because um, it's like an it's it's like an eight year old's fantasy, isn't it? Yeah. It's like oh, I've I've done this, and he does it. In a, he gets it t- together in a weekend, we, yeah. and, and they can do anything, literally anything. But I mean, just remember, this is his 
uh, audition project. This is to get into the school. This isn't his, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. His, no, but this isn't his final no, not masters. My yeah, no, this isn't his PhD thesis. This is like, oh, will you like me in the school? Because I can already do more than all of the rest of you put yeah, together. Yeah, you, you'd think there'd be a bit where uh, it starts off amazingly and then it goes, and it goes a bit wrong and, you know, there's a bit of a disaster and they say, look, uh, you need some help, so come to this school yes, and exactly. we can sort it out. But yeah. then at the same time, the, guy, the, the, the other guy's like, oh, you know, give them to me. The Gavin Belson character, mm. uh, I think of him as from um, Silicon Valley. Um yeah, he, he he could say, "Oh no, I'll take you under my wing," and then there could be that conflict there, without it just being this this already finished thing, like you say. If that's his audition thing, like it, what this kid's going to achieve in his life is just no. He, he just wants it mass producing. That's all he wants. He just wants someone to to take it and yeah. and, uh, and start making it mass producing. So s- I'd have just sold it for when a, a you few say it's, yeah. <laughs> you need to decide whether you go along with fancy or not. I think this decision, and this has only just occurred to me now to not set it in Tokyo, which is a real world yeah. city that we know about, and set it in uh, a city that we all know to be fictional and a different universe works. Because once you know that you're not in the universe that you currently yeah. live in, you can accept it. I was going to say exactly the same mm. thing. I, th- I think it's a huge part of it. Is the, it it um, aids that willing yeah. suspension of disbelief straight away. But then it's not just that. It's not just the tech. It's like when he's up- upgrading everyone to be superheroes, where the heck does he get all those materials? You know, he's building armour and all this stuff. And it's like, what? It's just, exactly. He's just got them. But if you just look the other way, because it's it's a lot of fun. Yes. You have to go, yes. look. Let's it's just, a cartoon. He, he just got them from somewhere. It doesn't matter. Are you not just accepting that, that they've got access to resources? I think that's just it. They can just get stuff. Because Stanley's is. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even know where to go to get like a plank of wood. Like if someone said, "Oh, just 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 get a plank of wood," and they go, "Oh, just pop down to to a builder's yard," I'd go, "A builder? Where's that? Where where are they? Do I do I just walk up and go? Excuse me? I'd be all nervous. Like, do you have a plank of wood? And they go, "Hey, Steve, he wants a plank of wood. He is a plank of wood." And I go, uh, "How much is is fifty pounds? Okay." And they go, "Fifty pounds? Uh, yeah." And then check it. And it turns out it was two pounds. Are you saying it should be more like the eighteen, and they've cobbled together with whatever they could find in the room that they're in at the time? I, I think I just need some explanation of where the heck he's got these things from. But like I say, I just go, do you know what? I'm going to let it but, off. But I do know it's there. That's the thing in the back the of my mind. But the others are still part of that university, aren't they? Mm. And, yeah. And they had infinite resource at that university in the first place. So I think the assumption's there that, that he just stole all the stuff from the university. And what he didn't steal, as you rightly said, Lucy... Um, one of the one of the friends, I can't remember which one. The the one that looks Fred. like Jay, Muse, Jason Muse. Fred. He, yeah, Fred. Mm. That's right. Yeah, he uh, he's loaded, isn't he? So yeah, he probably apparently. just sorted it all out from you know. Yeah, we just need a line, just one line. I mean, there's so much exposition. Let's go to being cute. So much that exposition <laughs> at the start. They can't do it here when it when it matters. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I don't know if the um, screenwriter's brains are catering for Hughes weird anxiety about buying wood that's the thing uh, I think many kids young kids are going to watch this and have some questions like that like where they got all these bits from if it was Pixar they'd have probably brought Binford into it somehow wouldn't they because of uh, yeah. Tim the Toolman Taylor <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> hmm um, but it's very sad when his brother dies isn't it it's very sad indeed it's a sad film. He's already lost his parents, yeah. and yeah. now he loses his brother, who's his father figure. And his auntie's a bit incompetent, isn't she? Let's be honest. Yeah, it's it's tragic. 
Yeah. Do you know, it really is, though. Do you know the bit where um, Baymax says, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but when he says, Tadashi is in here. And he says something like, Tadashi is in here. I thought the first time I saw it that he, in the explosion, Baymax was in there and he somehow got Tadashi inside and he was incubating him <laughs> and uh, on life support inside him. And I, I took it so literally. I was like, oh, he's inside Baymax because he's hollow inside. That's brilliant. Like Lupin but is in the back tank. It's ca- exactly, in the back to tank. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. But that's really silly. Mm. <laughs> We've got a couple of so, montages in this film, haven't we? Do you yeah. like a montage? Who yeah. doesn't? Yeah. Who doesn't like a montage? Yeah, of him like taking a bit of a nap at his desk and then somehow making... A bajillion microbots from, <laughs> from, from, from. You don't see him bringing the material in, do you? And putting them in wheelie bins as well. Putting them in nine wheelie bins or whatever it is. I know I know where we get the wheelie bins from. That's yeah. all right. You just order them from the council. Yeah. That, just keep, keep, keep saying it's been nicked. <laughs> and then you've got the the immortals one. Is, is that when they do the immortals? When they're doing the, train, get the mask training montage? Yeah. yeah. A, a montage, like, you know, the device of it is just such a. It's such a cheap and easy way just to go oh, we don't have to explain this. We can just show a montage and then we can get from there to there and now they've got all the powers done. Two minutes later, everyone's you're, you're, a superhero. It's really interesting this because I, I've been thinking about the story quite a bit and, and I thoroughly enjoyed it and I couldn't fault it and you've, you've, you've like shattered it for me. Thank you. You've, you've, no, honestly. Thank you. Because you're right. All, <laughs> that's just as lazy as the exposition at the start, though. It's, yeah. it's, just, it's exactly the same thing, just done in a different way. How mm. can we get through this stuff as quickly as possible so we don't have to dwell on it? Yeah. Interesting. But I think it's a, it's a mindset when you come into this film. You have to just go, right, this is going to be ridiculous and fantastical. Just go with it. And, yeah. it's, and it's good fun. The only reason I'm really pointing out is because we're you know, critiquing it. And mm. these things are in the back of my mind, but I do push them to the back and just enjoy this film. Because it is enjoyable. Of, speaking of enjoyment, can we just go back to the death again, please? Because um, <laughs> the first time I watched this film, mm. that absolutely crushed me. Ugh. It really did. And, yeah. and it was made worse because I was watching it with Lucas oh, and he no. wanted to understand what had happened. And explaining that to, well, the three-year-old, as he probably was at the time, might have been four, was really, really, really difficult. And, and then when you start thinking about your own kids and stuff, it, hits home and then it becomes worse doesn't it and you've got let's you know let's face it you know he's an he is an older brother yeah well exactly, exactly it's like you know really hits home doesn't it and then and but but that that sadness is just it's there throughout the film the whole thing mm. is just about well, how about he's with, dealing with with the depression of losing his brother it's about the 12 stages of grief isn't it, it? With without a doubt anger yeah. bargaining you know all that yeah, I don't know yeah. the other 10 steps. It, so it, it's a really fun film and it, it's very, very enjoyable, but it's tragic at the same time. Mm. And, and they do that really, really well. Yeah, really well. I think that progression of him sort of being being upset and then being a bit angry and a bit of a delinquent and like missing um, college and stuff and then finding this project to work on. But then his, his goal is just to get revenge and then ultimately, it's not just about that. It's about something else. It's all really nicely done. And like, it feels quite organic I, how, he, I how, he, how he goes through that. how the friends... It's like Baymax prescribes friends to him. Mm-hmm. And I love how they get on board and they do what's needed. But there's a point where they, they, won't, they say no to him. You know, when but his that, revenge that's goes still them far. doing what they need, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Needs, isn't it? It's just, think, you can't see that. And then I you're think in that that's far. brilliant. I think that's yeah. absolutely brilliant thing to, to sort of... Because at one point you could think that 
you could forget why they're doing it and why they're going along. You think, no, they want the same revenge and they're doing the same things. And when that happens, you're reminded this is all about his grief. Mm. This isn't about the mission. This is about his grief. And I think that's a really nice story arc when that happens. But they're all grieving as well, aren't they? Yeah. But, mm. but I think them supporting him is helping them get through it as well. Mm. Yeah. What do you think about the twist that the bad guy isn't the bad guy? So you see, what, what's he called? The Gavin Belson character. <laughs> Ka- Ka- I want to say Kavanagh. That's not right. Oh, it's something like that, isn't it? Oh, no, 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 no. no, no that, is that oh, no. like? Oh, isn't Ka- Hang on. I'm sure I've got written it down here somewhere. Anyway, um, so... The, the sort of evil... Callaghan. Callahan. Callahan, that's right. Oh, no, no, I'm thinking... So, that, so who's the other guy? Alistair something. Alistair Cree. Right. That, yeah, that's so, Alan so, so he turns up and you think, right, uh, um, Alan Tudyk, the new... Tudyk. Um, Welker. Fred Welker. Frank, Frank Welker, Welker. Frank Welker. Ding you tweeted a nice thing about him, by the way. That, that, that You shared something quite good. Well, one of you did. Was it you? Yeah, it was me. Was it you? Um, this week. Him so, doing Scooby-Doo. Yeah. When he goes... <laughs> definitely worth checking out. <laughs> Have you not watched it, Lucy? No. All right. Yeah, I do. I'll, I'll show you later. Um... So he turns up and you think, oh, he's the bad guy. And then you're like, mm, that's too obvious. The, guy, the, the, the sort of evil genius uh, Apple CEO guy, he's not going to be it. So it must be someone else. And at that point, I'm actually thinking, Tadashi's in the mask. It's Tadashi. Oh, I think I yeah, thought that. Yeah. First time I saw it, I was like him. And I actually was a little surprised when it was uh, Professor Callaghan. Callahan. Yeah, I was uh, I was too. like, oh, okay. Oh, it's that guy instead. Because we think him and Tadashi have died, don't we? Yeah. Mm. So you've got three people to choose from, and it was you know if 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 you if you think twice, you, you'll get there. But I only thought once, and I thought, oh no, it's not the obvious guy; it's the second guy. But actually, it's not; it's the third guy. Well, for Laura watching it this time, she didn't get the chance to do any of that because as soon as the explosion happened, Lucas said, "Well, he's not dead because <laughs> he's the bad guy." <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lucas. <laughs> yes. What mm. else? But even he's tragic. He's he's gone through and he's going through exactly the same things for pretty much the same reasons. He's mm. going through revenge oh, yeah. because of grief, and this this parallels there. So he's not even that bad a bad guy. He's just done some stupid um, things. What yeah. do you think about him losing Baymax at the end? The selfless act of Baymax. Um. Um. What do you mean? What do we think about it? Well. It, it I wasn't a selfless act. I'm just prompting. I do have a note here that says, why does Disney and Pixar keep force-feeding us grief? Um, and because it's, it's it's it feels quite unnecessary sometimes, and it's so draining now. It's got to the point where it's every single time. But, uh, so, to be so, fair, I don't think so, Disney do it they, that often. I no, can't he, loses, he loses his brother. No, but like, you know, like in Frozen, they, oh, lose, Frozen. The, they lose the parents straight that away. Hurt. And... Uh, you know, gra- well, grandma dies in Moana. You know what I mean? It's just like constant. It's like it, it, it's a point where it puts you off wanting to go see there were some of these films. But um, in this, you have like uh, it's, uh, Tadashi dies, and then um, Callahan's, Callahan's daughter, and then Baymax at the end. It's like it's it's so it's a tough watch uh, at times. When his when his brother dies, actually, it, it's a strange one for me because if you think about most of the Pixar films where they do grief, they do grief in the first like five minutes yeah they do now you're, yeah. you're lulled into a false sense of security with mm. that you, you know you, you, you've bought into those two characters he's massively. become a central character and, yeah. and then he's gone and that, that that's, I think that's why it hits so hard 
Mm. I think when Baymax dies at the end, that's the last bit of Tadashi that he's he's still got in his life, and that leaves him. So it's almost like that 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 process. It's acceptance. The, the stages of grief is over and it's gone. It's the acceptance, and then the fact that he's able to rebuild from scratch because he's still got the memory card is quite. Symbolic. But you said it was a selfless act of Baymax, and it wasn't. It was a it was a conscious act mm. of his of heroes. Yeah, I, I, he, he made that decision. He wow. was told that he needed to do it to save everybody, but it was his decision to do it. True. Which mm. truly is acceptance. <gasps> Should we score it? Uh, well, I just want to say I like how they found a way to do drunk humor in a Disney film. Oh man. That that bit is just brilliant. So funny. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll talk about that a bit more in the next bit, I think, but yes. I, yeah. I I just thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed that little bit. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, and then my only final note was the thing where yeah, that like would say Baymax has put his chip in his fist. That's so clever. I didn't see that coming. He fist bumps. Uh, the, the only thing he's got left left is the jettisoned fist, mm. and Baymax thought to put his chip in it. It's genius. Mm. I, I was so chuffed when that happened. Mm. I was so happy. Anyway. Yes, no, you're right. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have anything else written down, I don't think. No, let's score it. Okay, I'll go first. It's pretty tight, but there are elements of it that are quite silly. But <laughs> um, it just in terms of continuity and not continuity, just them, them forcing the story forward, I think. However, they do tie up all the loose ends and the, the heart at the centre of the stories, so poignant and well done. The time, can I give it a nine? Wow. Uh, I've given it an eight. It's great fun. You know, it's fantastically silly, but it's also funny and has heart. I've knocked off a point for lazy exposition and, and another one for the almost laughable, like I say, fantasy elements, which are just, you have to just get on board with them. But they are there, so I have to mark it with an eight. Well, when I was driving from my wing of the house to your wing of the house on the way here today, it was an absolute 100% definitely 10 for story. And then you started talking about exposition and stuff and it was like a light bulb moment. So for moments in the last 10 or 15 minutes, it's been down as far as a six. But, <laughs> but You're so but, fickle, Chris. I know, but the grief <laughs> running through it, the, the way that they deal with that grief and the fact that it's just so much fun as well, I'm going to give it an eight. Cool. Let's move on to animation. Look at the animation, you, the characterization, you, and don't forget the background and the style. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, They're pretty competent by this point in history, aren't they? What was the one before this? Frozen. It wasn't Zootopia. Frozen. Were it Frozen? Frozen, yeah. Frozen. Frozen. Right. I mean, it's a world above Frozen. Yeah. The design of San Francisco is just delicious. I mean, I've got a soft spot for Japanese architecture and design anyway. And marry that with a bit of Victoriana and, you know, luscious sort of vivid pastel colours in the architecture and all that kind of thing. Just absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, Aunt Cass is a babe. <laughs> I thought you'd like Aunt Cass. She's, she's like very Pixar, isn't she? She is very Pixar, but she's one of the best-looking Disney characters of all time. Yeah, do you think? Yeah, I'd go with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forget the fairest in the land. Who's I... after Aunt Cass? 
I was interested to know whether, from an animation point of view, whether they uh, um, did some kind of sharing program with with Pixar, because Inside yes. Out came out a year later, and that's all set in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that that stands out to me is we talked about Zootopia, Tropolis, and and the quality of the animation that oh. compared to Frozen. And now we've gone backwards. We realise there's a midway point in between that. Exactly, and that, yeah. And, and mm. that feels a bit more comfortable because you kind of... When we were talking about Zootropolis, I was thinking, but if they could do that, why why wasn't Frozen that? I will why? tell you about holes in my research because uh, I started to read about... the Like they always do, they develop five new programmes to do certain things. Mm. And I started to read about how they, they found a programme that could... Uh, calculate the dispersal of light through vinyl and all that and thing is i don't really understand it and i just get to the point where i don't want to talk about that in the history because i'm mm. just regurgitating words yeah, yeah, yeah but yes they 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 did use support from pixar at this point i know that i don't know what the support was they also wrote a program for light but had a backup program from pixar's um in case they didn't finish their program in time but they did I think. See, this is what so I want to hear. This is ace. Mm. Well, I'm sorry. I sh- next time I'll make sure that I do leave. Well, this, no, 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 this no, is a good but, place to mention it, though. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, it I'm, I'm sorry I didn't write down the names of the programs and the dates, not, but it, it got to the point there was a lot in this yeah, 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 yeah. where it's just, um, it's just, I'm regurgitating tech and I'm not good at that. What I liked was uh, the way the nanobots, microbots, sorry, moved once uh, Callahan had them. Because they, you know, they were really stringy and sinewy, mm. and they were like Venom, you know, Venom, the character Venom, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they were so cool. I've not really noticed that before, but like the way they move was just really, really slick. Because you don't see a lot of that beforehand, really, do you? But he, he, he does his introduction to what it is, and it's all about construction and stuff, and so yeah. it's, it's very um, geometric. Yeah, and, geometric. Yeah, and yeah. symmetrical. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I don't, I don't know, I've not much else to say, to be honest. The drunk I, bit for me. So, so right, yeah. How, how can you take a character? The, the, this isn't the. This isn't just the drunk bit, but this. This is that's the key place for me. How can you take a character in in Baymax, which is a robot first off, and its face is a line with two circles, and get so much expression out mm. of that character? That that for me is is where the animation is brilliant in this film and mm. that's that for me is where the the old disney that did the rubber hose dwarves and is that right mm. dwarfs you did say dwarves <laughs> Uh, the bell was there. I was fully expecting a bell. The we bells, do. the bells in the other room. The bells. I wonder how many shows we've got. Forgot the bell. Where, where Lucy hasn't said dwarves at some point. She <laughs> still says it to this day, and I go ding. Um, when, like when we're at home. But like, yeah, go, going back to the way that they used to characterise objects and things back in that day, and the way that Walt made them study, and and then it. It's very tempting when you're watching the 3D um, computer-generated movies of these days to think a lot of that kind of artistry and emotion disappears behind technology. Mm. But that is a prime example of the mm. fact that the Disney touch is still there. Because you can't do that easily with, with 3D animation, and that's what makes mm. that character great, because it's inflatable, because it, it can it can change in size and shape and things. Even just little things like shoving his belly into the mm. into the armour... That, that stuff's great and it, it's something that they can play with a bit more than maybe they can normally do with 3D um, imagery. The, the way Betamax is animated as well, it's so precise and so well observed 
so it's humorous and like uh, I, I can't remember because it was a while ago since I watched it but I've made a note about something about the way he observes Hero is mm. really, really cool uh, the way he observes here, I don't know what that means, but... But it just looks right. There's something about the interaction with him that was, like, just so expertly done. It is. It's just the way he tilts his head and he looks down at him and, and you can get so much about... Yeah, and and you can see him processing what, what mm. Hero's telling him, you know. It's just so nice to do. You like, can you know, see him processing it. I'm sorry, just... Mm. You can see him processing yeah. it. That That's that's ridiculous. There's, there's bits as well that I, that I know I talked about Short Circuit before, but there's, there's a bit in Short Circuit where a butterfly lands on his hand. Your mother was a and, snowblower. And is that... That wonder of seeing of, of seeing this butterfly and and curiosity and then he, and he chases has that. it Curiosity's off. there in spades. Do you know? Uh, I've done that about two or three times in my comic strip uh, <laughs> with the yeti. Yeah, the yeti sees a butterfly and he'll just kind of laugh and chase chase after it. It's exactly the same. So I haven't copied it from that, but it's just mm. that trope of like a a big character really fascinated by something small and cute. Mm. Um, I've. <laughs> I've written down, you, you know, sometimes I have a, li- a little thing that, a little niggle for me, mm. um, but nobody else ever notices them. Yeah. So the first time they meet Callahan, there's a bit of a strange thing. We walk him down to the elevator when he's talking to them and they kind of almost glide across the floor like like it's, oh. like they're not part of it. It, it felt like, you know, cutscenes in a computer game yeah. back in the back in the 90s. It felt like that kind of <laughs> awfulness. Um, oh, okay. But it was just one bit there and that was it. Oh. Just noticed it. There you go. I'm most surprised when anything like that turns up because, like, there's that many eyes on it. There's yeah, no, no one spotted that. that it's, it's strange, isn't it? Oops, sorry, I just jabbed you with my pencil. But it could just uh, be a, something that I don't like, an, an aesthetic that isn't aesthetic to mm. me. I do like a, um, <clears throat> a film to have a, a look, you know, a, a colour scheme almost. And I think that when they're out and about in San Francisco, that's my favourite thing. Mm. But I'm not sure that when they're in the robotics lab and the the team, the actual Big Hero 6, gel as well as they possibly could if I'm going to be really critical of that and design. They've definitely tried to get a bunch of very different... Contrasting. Like, wide, wildly different people, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's not that. It's just... Um, I don't know the looks, the, the the way that eyes are drawn and they don't all look like they're... They're from the same species. They feel a little bit despicable me sometimes to me. Oh, do they? Yeah, yeah. a little bit. A little bit. Mm. Um, yeah. That's a terrible <laughs> criticism. It, it is, isn't it? <laughs> it right. is, but it might just be because Honey Lemon reminds me of the um, the female character in the second Despicable Me yeah. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might just be that. She does feel familiar, doesn't she? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Right, should we score this one? Go on then. Do you know I've given it a ten because I can't. It's, it's very precise. It's very little to, to fall. It's humorous, and there are a few surprises. I just like, yeah, you know, think it like I don't think of it as like you know one of the greats of all time. But when you're watching it, you just think there's nothing wrong here. Ten. Yeah, um, ten for me as well. Um, it, it's brilliant, isn't it? I think. Um, I was floated with the 10 because I couldn't think of any downfalls and that's what prompted my last comment with because oh, I don't I don't love it I don't feel emotional about what's on screen here it's just really 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 competently done I think it's fantastic but I'm going to give it a 9 again it's difficult at this stage isn't it because it, the the way they animate is, when we've said this before the way they animate is so accomplished now mm. you're literally nitpicking to find anything oh yeah mm. and, and it comes down to personal preference doesn't it Yep. Music then. 
Well, there's one there's one song in it, isn't there? Mm. <laughs> that's what the kids. That's what, that's what the kid said. Do you know what annoys me? Because I feel like they should be saying we could be immortal, immortal. But they're saying we we could be immortals, and that doesn't, doesn't sound right to me. Uh, if I was writing it, I, I, I would write the Marvel. Comic I would write immortals. I would write <laughs> we it. could be immortal. You would You wouldn't. I wouldn't say to you guys, guys. You know, if we play our cards right, we could be immortals. You know, I'd say we could be immortal. Or immortal people. Yeah. We, we could all be immortal, yeah. It doesn't make sense. No, you're right. Yeah. Uh, well, don't say that's the guy down the woodyard. He'll overcharge you. Yeah. <laughs> See him coming. Does it, uh, does it fit with the film? The, the, the key song for the film? I, I'd be honest. I, I think so. I think that the, the, the good old head-bobbing guitar rock that it is does I <laughs> fit think, with the film. I think with, like... They've got a few princess films under the belt. They've, uh, you know, um, I think they've gone. Let's make this for boys. And like, I think this is written with like, I can totally see a six-year-old running around punching the air, yeah. singing this song. Yeah. And I just think they've they're like this song's perf- perfect for like the the film. Now you say that, but oh, our, I'm saying that. But our the, test audience didn't have that reaction, did they? And that's your your boys about that age, aren't they? Mm. Well, the, the thing for me about it is. Um, without being hipster about it, I I used to really like Fallout Boy. I, yeah. I really liked their first two albums, and uh, and then they decided to do everything they could to get into the charts and and mm. push themselves into this electronic rock thing, and and it just doesn't work for me. It never has, and this is just a prime example of that dirge for me. So what you're saying is you liked it before it was cool. I, I did like it before it was cool. Mm. Well, no, before it became really uncool. I think is is, is what it is, but. It's all right. I, I think the Imagine Dragons song on the end of Wreck-It Ralph, mm. uh, Ralph Wrecks the Internet is better. I like the oxymoron, though, of being immortal, but not for but long. Not for long. Yeah. <laughs> like it's I wonder bit, how long it took it, him to know, think of that lyric. It's, it, it's funny. And then you hear it 28 times. But, you know, it's a clever line. We could be immortal, but not for long. I like that. What does it mean, though, in the context it of the mean film? Anything. In the context of the film, what does it mean? It means, you know, we can make an impact. We can live forever by the things we do. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. The score. I mean, if you invented nanobots, I think you would, you'd, you'd be, yeah. your reputation would be immortal then. Mm-hmm. Or, or anything that anyone, any of those kids making that lab, you'd be immortalised. Um, Callahan's going to be immortalised for what he did as well. Well, yeah. He's in prison for a long time. Mm. Um, the score is the first time I've really sat and listened to, like, focusing on the score, and it's banging. Yeah, it's got this sort of computer chip, synthetic, uh, synthesized electronic. It's you know, it's um, there's a lot going on. I can't remember much right now, but all I remember is I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I remember it being pretty decent. Um, yeah, it's a, f- it's a fun little quirky, mm. you know, Japanesey. You know, I like it. No one else got anything to say. About I have nothing. Um, the the it wasn't an orchestral orchestral backing track, was it? They had used some more instruments, had made it a bit more modern. Um, I suppose this would be good to listen to, but I didn't find it the most memorable score. I quite liked that Immortal song, but I just quite liked it. I didn't love it. Mm. I think I'm ready to score it. 
you loved it, but not for long. <laughs> right. Yeah, let's score it. Um, Six. There you go. I shot me. I shot too early. I always go first on music. You've ruined you do. it for me. Sorry. Let Chris go. Go on, Chris. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm going to be a six as well. Right. <laughs> well, I'm giving it an eight. No, I'm not. I'm giving it a six. I'll give it a seven. It's, uh, I think it's a great score, and, and, and I do like the standout track, but there's just not that much to actually talk about, is there, yeah. as no. uh, evidenced by like the fact that we've done it for about three minutes. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a seven. Ooh. Best bits, because I remembered today. Favourite bits? Yeah. Um, I like it when Baymax tells Hero he's going to grow hair on his face, armpits, chest, and... And then it gets interrupted. Uh, I think does Hero go? Okay, thank you, and that stops him from from saying that. Yeah, uh, that's something I, I miss, uh, and I love how uh, you, you have the Stan Lee scene at the end, um, and then the last bit of credits kicks in to credit him. Right, I was reading that on my notes, not remembering what it was. What, what I mean is that I love how Stan Lee comes on, and then you've just got one last bit of credits. It's like. And Stan Lee. Mm. And, and that, this happened in, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone, but it's something like that happened in Ghostbusters yesterday. Uh, something happened in the credits and Lucy said, what? And I was, I pointed, I was like, wait for it. I've given a bit away there, yeah. but you know, <laughs> you know, I, I like it when they play around with the credits like that. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, yeah. So, I liked the, the opening um, bot battle. Yes. A lot, uh, particularly the little five-part nanobots before he became a 10,000-part um, nanobot. And everything Baymax did. Drunk- I've met Baymax. Oh, I've hugged Baymax. Good. He's a good meet and greet. Drunk Baymax is great. It's just, it's just a lovely little scene, that. Just brilliant. Um, and uh, Ollie, um, ever since we watched that film, and he, he did not want to watch it, but we, we managed to get him to watch it, and he thoroughly enjoyed it. And ever since, he's been doing that fist bump. And uh, so I just love that. Oh, yeah. I love it. Right. Love it. Cry Factor? I'm going to have to read. He's absolutely beautiful. He really loves it. I don't know why they just can't be together. Hugh's Cry Factor. I mean, obviously, I started feeling it when Tadashi dies. Uh you know what I mean? Hmm. So, so you know, it's up. It's getting going. It's getting going there. But there's, but there's weird things. You know, like um, like every now and again, so, something weird happens in a film. I'm like, I don't know why that, that's making me emotional. And it starts with uh, when they fall out of the warehouse window and Baymax wraps Hero up in a protective hug. I'm like, oh. And there's something about the focus of Baymax on protecting him. It's There's something so simple and noble about it hmm. that I'm just like, and uh, also, I think it happens later when uh, they fall out of the car. Um, it grabs him again and protects him there. Uh, it's just really sweet. Um, and oh, I, again, I, I don't know what this is. What, you know when Baymax is in destroy mode and he's just on a mindless rampage mm. and the, the music's going, he's just got these red eyes. There's something about that. Um, but do, do you know when he, um, he raises his fist to blast Professor Callaghan? But then Honey, Honey Lemon just gets the healthcare chip yeah. back just in time. Um, but you don't see it going in. And then the, the camera just pulls back and he's frozen in that position. But, and, and then he's not evil anymore. Something about the whole the, the whole way that's choreographed. It's kind of beautiful. Yeah, it is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but the portal, guys. The portal. Uh, when Baymax protects him from that debris. And there's, there's like a half second shot of him looking at Hero just before it hits him. 
he just moves in, in front of him. It's a split second shot and he just looks at him. And again, it's that focus on uh, this this thing protecting you. Um, so, and then he has to say goodbye to him. I, I, I'm in bits. It's a five, guys. I give this a five. Yeah. What, what do you think? I, 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 I agree. For me, when you said when you said about his brother dying, is it Tadashi? I can never remember his name. Tadashi. Yeah. Tadashi. Tadashi. When, when Tadashi dies, for me, that's at five. Then right, mm-hmm. and it has to be, and it has to it has to drop from there, and it doesn't Aww. at any point. It, yeah. just, it just stays the whole time, and it is just constantly going. Sorry, do you? Do you? Well, that gets the full five teardrops, and that sounds something like this. Number, oh, number, number four. four. Fourth one was no good. Um, <laughs> right, guys, this had a £165 million budget and it smashed it with a worldwide box office of £657.9 million. Um, Blimey. Pre-billion club, though. Mm. Because it's, we're not many years off Disney having a year when they did, was it six billion dollar club films in a year or something? But, yeah... A nice return on your investment. But not good enough return on investment to warrant a card. Um, no. Cards being made for it. Not an extra fancy card. Not in the UK <laughs> anyway. Um, it won many, many critics awards, including the Oscar. It was pipped out on the Golden Globe by the Lego movie. Um, I know. So we already know it's critically acclaimed. IMDb give it 7.8, which is a smidge above the average, but we, we've had higher than that on, mm. on IMDb, so not the best. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave it 90%, which is very high for Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. The audience gave it 91%. Wow. So this is a popular film, yeah. but what did 37 Disney Street give it, Hugh? We gave it one more than Aladdin. We've given this one more than The Lion King. Um, other comparable other comps we got mm, one more than Fantasia exactly the same as Pinocchio with 81 wow wow all those classic films I know so you may, you but one day go this... back and look at Aladdin and think I think it's animation you know at this stage I... films of this kind of um, level of critical acclaim in the old days, we would have been picking apart the animation, but it's just yeah. so well, seamless they're built, they're built now. They're built to a model, aren't they? <laughs> because you, you remember Aladdin, mm. uh, the actual animation, as we noted at the time, is quite ropey in places. There's, there's moments and, and very sort of like people's the, faces bend. And yeah, stuff, isn't and there? the way it's filmed and framed is kind of a bit dull, you know? Mm. But in spite of all of that, if we take a look at, the, at, at all these scores that we've given over time, how many of them are below 80? Not a huge amount. There are quite a few, but not a huge amount. How many below 50? Virtually none. There's about three or four, aren't there? I'm seeing there's a lot below 80. I've seen a lot below 80. Lot like, I'm literally going... Actually, there were loads I'm literally 60 going, 60 like, like all, all in a row, 60, 72, 77, 61, 67, 61, 73, 53, then 98. 64, 76, 79, oh, okay. 76, 64. So a lot of 70s, 63. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Loads yeah. and loads. We gave Mulan 91. We did. I mean, I don't, I'm not disputing oh, yeah. it. I'm like, oh, okay. For a second there, I thought we meant the live action one. I'm like, how? <laughs> no, we didn't do that. I haven't watched it. Yeah. No, don't bother. <laughs> oh, I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what happens now then? Um, oh, we wrap up, I guess, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Have you got anything to tell us about Lucy? Are you doing? No, there are. Um, check out the Disney Paris show. That's really picking up a lot of steam. We're doing it on a weekly basis, and we are regular as clockwork with that one. We mm. do it live at eight thirty. 
on YouTube, um, but it's also, it goes on all the podcast hosting things on the Monday, so check that one out. I also, well, we also have some vlogs out. Oh, something I didn't mention on the Design Paris one, is I think I'm going to do Vlogmas this year, guys. I think okay. I'm going to do mm-hmm. daily five-minute Disney-themed Susie vlogs. used to do that. Mm. Oh, that sounds interesting. Our, our friend Susie, yeah. For the, like, 12 days of Christmas or what? Wait, is it meant to go from the 1st to the 25th? don't know, actually. I guess so, yeah. Mm. I imagine it would. Like an advent calendar. Yeah, cool. Mm. So, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're at all interested in seeing me do some Disney-themed vlogmasing. Um, I guess in terms of this show, uh, we've got um, Moana next, Moana. haven't we? But we're getting very close to Christmas as well, and we want to do something for Christmas. It will be the first week of December when we do Yeah, And then Canto's out soon, but I don't know when you guys are going to get to see it. We're going to see it next week, but... Um, it depends when we've all seen it when we get to do it, isn't mm. it? So, mm. There'll be stuff coming, but it's still going to be every couple of weeks, I think, isn't it? We're going to continue with, in that vein. Um, I think we've got a bit of a... I think we decided the other week, didn't we, that we're actually going to probably have to do one a week for at least three weeks. Yeah, possibly. If that's possible. And then do a Christmas one. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how we go anyway. We'll do see we, what happens. Do we know what we're doing for Christmas yet? Did no, we, we don't. I think we maybe said we might do another where we, we all... Choose one, maybe. Oh, like we did last. We did that last year for one of the shows, oh, did didn't we? we? Oh, should we do two? Or should we talk about it off screen? Yeah, yeah. we talked about doing no, them now. The snowed in at the house of mouse. Yeah. yeah. Or whatever it's called, that one. I don't know. We don't know what we're gonna do. So next episode might be Moana, might be Encanto. It could be Christmas because you know we but don't have a great track record. If you subscribe, you'll find <laughs> you'll be the first to find out. Absolutely, yeah, without a doubt. Um, but for now, um, we will bid you adieu. Um, And see you next time. So, uh, bye from me. Bye. Bye, pals.